Welcome to the Soulful Sound Podcast. This podcast is about celebrating the leaders, teachers, and coaches who guide fellow humans to connect, heal, and discover themselves so they can express their gifts into the world. I am Simone Niles, a coach, sound healer, vocalist, and author. Thank you for being here with me today. As always, excited to be here and back on the Soulful Sound podcast. Today, I am joined by the beautiful Amelia Griffiths, who is a trauma-informed sexual healer, body worker, and spiritual guide who inspires visionaries, creatives, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to alchemize shame of their body, pleasure, and sexuality into love. How yummy that is. I am so thrilled. Welcome. And I can't wait to find out all about you and your work, Amelia. Thanks so much for joining. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Simone. I'm so delighted to be here. And I feel a bit like, I'm like, who are you talking about? (laughs) Whenever I hear that back, I'm like, is that me? (laughs) Yes, that is is. Yes. And it's wonderful because these are just words, right? We know what's going on behind the energy of them and what it Mm -hmm. is that you're doing in your work is what's going to come through today more than any of those words that I've just um, kind of recited, let's say, at the beginning. So I'm excited to jump in and find out more about you. And I want to start by just asking you how you got into spiritual and sexual healing. Tell me all about your story. Well, I've been I've been into spirituality for many, many years. My mum and I would do angel cards on her bed from like very, very early on. And she was she was always very spiritual. Well, she is very spiritual and she's a healer herself. And um so it's really been in my life for as long as I can remember, the unseen realm, like a, a higher, a higher power. Mm. Um and then I uh, and then I just rejected it all because I thought, no, I'm I know my way. And that's that that's all just that's not real enough for me. I can't I can't believe in something that you can't see. So I went very much on the opposite path <laughs> and went into alcohol and drugs <laughs> and all these things that we that we do to find God or find, you know, that that place of peace and ease and freedom and ecstasy mm. and and um and work as well I was very I got very much into my career um I worked for eight years in the luxury industry which was it was fantastic but by the age of 30 I was completely burnt out and I had just lost all faith in everything I'd lost I um I had a company that I had with a business partner that when I was living with my partner home and the partner went (laughs) and I was found myself at home living back at home um and I had really one of those Elizabeth Gilbert bathroom floor moments and I was like I need help I need to know what I do next uh I need help from this place of pain Mm. and the voice in my head was like go and do yoga teacher training (laughs) and my response was I've literally done yoga about 10 times. I'm absolutely not a yoga teacher, but the voice is <laughs> consistent. And I just found myself booking a training, spending tons of money on this really expensive yoga training in Costa Rica. Knowing now what I know about yoga, I probably would have booked a different training, but mm-hmm. it was it was what I ended up doing. And, and the people that I met there and the experience that I had was very important. Um, and... So that was really going to Costa Rica and learning about yoga and consciousness and energy and chakras and the divine and gods and goddesses and Ayurveda and all these things. It was like a homecoming in a way. Mm. Um, And so I very much went on a spiritual path. I got very involved in spirituality. I lived in retreat centers. I was, my spiritual practice was really strong but it was all in the upper realms. My body was, yes, I was doing yoga, but I found that there was something missing Mm. and I had a real aversion to sex and intimacy. And I sort of thought, well, I can just be in this bliss place and not, not worry about that because 
everything's everything's jolly um, in my spiritual practice. But there was this feeling that there was something missing. And also I didn't really want to be, I was, I was celibate for five years and I didn't really want to be. And I realized that through my, throughout my twenties, I'd been in a lot of unsupportive sexual situations, shall we say. Um, And there was a lot of trauma from that. And I think that yoga was a great yoga and spirituality were a great diversion from that because I could just be in my upper chakras and I wouldn't need to worry about that. Mm. And so um, I, I was living in this retreat center in Worcestershire and um, I decided to do a passing a meditation retreat for a week. Um, and I did that. And on the way back, I was sharing a car with, a guy who was completely fanatic about Tantra. We did the car share thing back to London. So it was about four hours of him telling me about Tantra, sacred sexuality. Mm. And my whole body was, when we left that car journey, my whole body was vibrating. It was like, Mm. it was like a light switch had turned on. And I realized that there was something in this for me. And, but I also had, a load of trauma that I had not even looked at and just Mm. just brushed under the carpet. And so I went on quite a deep healing journey with that and um, had lots of therapy. And then I signed up for a course to become a tantra therapist. So kind of sacred sexual healer, tantra therapist. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I came across it because I wasn't looking for it, but suddenly I was just on this website with this course and I was burst into tears I just knew that it was the next thing for me to do, but I felt so far from being able to do that because I still had so much um, shame, judgment, shadow Mm -hmm. around tantra, sexuality, that whole field. And so I spent a year kind of working through that um, murkiness and then I felt ready. Well, (laughs) I didn't feel ready. I was having a massage with a woman, uh, amazing woman, and she said, Amelia... I keep on hearing the words Thailand. Your guides are telling you to go to Thailand. And then I burst into tears again because that's where the course was being held. And I remembered that that was where that was where I was meant to go the year before. So it's kind of like, okay, now is the time. Don't put it off. Affirmation. (laughs) Yeah. And so I did the course and it just blew my mind. It was really, it was, it was very, it was it was scientific, it was spiritual, and it was very shamanic. So mm. a lot of being in the unknown, a lot of coming out of the mind and into flow with what's moving through you, a lot of trust in this higher power. Mm-hmm. And my my mind wasn't used to that. I, I rebelled against it so much. I was so, I had projected so much of my teacher. <laughs> Because I was like, I need a, I need a proper manual, <laughs> I need a full manual to learn how to do all this stuff. And then, uh, and then when I got back to London uh, in lockdown, got straight, came back from Thailand straight into lockdown, and uh, and my first client had a Kundalini awakening in, in the session, mm. and it was, if I had had a manual. <laughs> I would have been completely and utterly unprepared because nothing can prepare you for holding that kind of space unless you are just, you just totally trust that you know what to do. I just went straight into kind of priestess mode, I suppose, and just Mm. out of my mind and into just trust that. And my fingers and my body were doing all sorts of things. I had no idea. I I had to completely get out of my mind to Mm. allow for spirit to move through me to help this client to manage what was happening with him. Um, So funny story about the manual. (laughs) Um, And so it's sort of out of my darkness really that came, that came this real um, sexual, spiritual calling. And I've had so many mystical, magical experiences that have confirmed that, spirit is is real and there are multiple dimensions and unseen mm. uh, you know so many beings that are here to 
help heal us and mm. the more I do this work and the more I tap into that and allow that to happen the more the miracles happen and every week I am just I've seen four clients this week and honest to god my jaw has dropped to the floor each time. Mm. Oh. because it, it it as you know as a practitioner the work moves through you so each session gets deeper and deeper and deeper the more you open the more you trust the more mm. and the clients get get more uh for me I've experienced that there's a saying that says when the when the student's ready the teacher appears do you feel called to use your voice and sound in a healing capacity Learn how to use your voice therapeutically to facilitate healing and well-being. Whether you want to go deeper in your own healing journey or facilitate others in theirs, this training is for you. This online training runs over five weekends and offers theory, practice, resources, and support on your path to becoming a qualified sound healer and for your personal healing journey. Mm -hmm. But I think also when the teacher's ready, the student appears. Yes. And you get, you get, um, like now I'm attracting clients and we're work. I was working very much with sort of lots of trauma healing, lots of human healing. And now I'm working much more with clients who have kind of done all of that. And now they want to spiritually progress. They want to Mm. really step into their fullness, step into this world as who they truly are without their false self, without their all the conditioning and the, mm-hmm. the layers and the, the stuff that we oh, are things. Yeah, yeah. laden with that's not ours. Yeah. And so that's a very, very long answer. That's fine. It's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of a lot of beautiful nuggets there that I that I want to just touch a little bit on. And I love that you spoke about that uh, that first rebellion, because I think that happens very often. And there are a lot of um, parallels in my my own experience growing up in a very spiritual upbringing. I was meditating since I was six years old mm-hmm. and I came in, came into a spiritual setting and it was beautiful. And I remembered maybe in around my early 20s when I incidentally moved away from home and I started to you know have my own ideas and started to think about things in a different way that it wasn't that I was rebelling so much against this is all not true and I don't believe these things but I need to find my own way maybe all of these things that I was taught is not necessarily everything that was real for me anymore you know we have conditioning and the influences throughout our lives and so mine might have been a bit of a mini one in comparison to the way you described it but I also think there was something interesting and beautiful about you going home in in terms of physically going back home to come home to yourself as well Mm. Uh, and that's that's an interesting um, nuance because I think often we sometimes just need the trigger of that environment to bring us back into a space mm-hmm. or some kind of um, association with something that brings us back into a space that, you know, can call us out, call us back into ourselves, which I think was a beautiful um, mm-hmm. experience for you. And knowing that you've you've gone into a, a, you kind of said, coming out of the dark and the pain from the trauma to the alcohol to the drugs, all the things that you might have experienced on your path back to where you are now is a great example of that phoenix, right, coming out and rising. And I know a lot of the work that you do, as I, as I read those words at the beginning about alchemizing and using that in a way to change and transform that into something positive, um, you've, in your story, that's a beautiful example of that happening. So it's wonderful to see that you are, you know, paying it back and serving clients in such a, a beautiful way. Um, and I also thought to ask just about that, you said there was a point in your journey where you noticed that, or rather that you felt this disconnect with your body, you were in those upper chakras, and you could feel this bliss, I'm meditating, there's yoga, there's all of this, but yet you're not really connected. I'm just curious to know, because I'm sure there are a lot of listeners out there who might say, well, I feel disconnected to my body, or am I disconnected to my body? How did you notice that? How did you notice that disconnect? How was it playing out for you practically? It was playing out, I mean, for me, it was playing out specifically with not addressing my disordered eating issues, mm-hmm. not addressing feeling pain in my body, feeling um, I wasn't, yoga is wonderful in many ways, but it's not feminine. Mm. It's not flowing. It's not intuitive. It's not, you know, if you're following 
you know, an asana class. It's, it's got wonderful, it's a wonderful practice. But for me, knowing what I know now about the feminine and the body, and I had no connection to that. I didn't dance. I didn't move my body outside of, outside of um, the classes. And I, there was no, um, there was no flow with it. And also, I was feeling that I knew that if I if I wanted to go higher, I had to go lower. Like mm. I think Carl Jung says, you know, for um, for somebody's branches to reach heaven, their roots must reach hell, mm. and not quite as that but I think you really to really get in the body it happens through the body like the 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 blissful expansive pleasurable ecstatic experiences that I've had have been through the body Mm -hmm. not through yeah meditation is great but it gets you to this sort of I suppose it is a bliss but body bliss wow that's a whole different kettle of fish for me I think I think what's interesting and important is to recognize the holistic right as you as you're talking about this body experience and really coming into body the body is what we have that's physical on this in this plane it's what we have easy access let's say not it's not always easy to access it but we have easy access to it it's it's our body we can we can go in that way through the breath through movement so I completely understand and then that for me very much feels like a cycle because the energy the way energy moves it's not static you know it's not linear there's movement of energy whether it's upper lower expanding left and right heaven hell above below whatever words we like to put there's this expansion um, that I I truly believe that encompasses all of it and mm-hmm. so I think that the body, the bliss, the the pleasure and all of that that you're talking about is our birthright and it's a big part of how we expand and how we learn and grow so I can't wait to dig in to that with some more details and it's how we are in the world we're in the world in our bodies yes and especially Mm -hmm. as women you know our bodies have been so distorted shamed judged ridiculed um especially I was speaking to my friend the other day about it and I remember as a child like I was quite podgy growing up I had puppy fat and I, I could never fit into the clothes that the that the cool girls wore at school and and I remember watching Disney films and the only women that had any ounce of of curviness were the ugly sisters or the baddies or the you know the Ursula <laughs> <laughs> and so from such a young age we're taught that our bodies are not worthy. Mm. And so that's our temple. It's our vessel. It's our root chakra. It's like, here I am in the world and I don't belong. I don't belong to the tribe because I'm not how everybody looks. Yeah, And it's, um, I think that was probably another kind of, um, Thing that brought me back down to the root because the root chakra really is the foundation of everything like mm. if your root chakra is not energized and healed and that's your how you feel about your body your identity your safety mm. then the other chakras are not energized mm. so it's it's like the motor for the for all of the chakras so yeah, that was another. And and you kind of touched on something that I wanted to ask because when I looked at your website, you had a few points in terms of the work that you do, and body celebration was one of them. And I really loved that, and I wanted to delve in more. So what you just spoke about would be that conditioning and the things that sometimes take us away from body celebration, right? We think, oh, we don't, we're not worthy. We don't look the way everyone says we're supposed to look in whatever cultural society or whatever. So I'm curious as to that body celebration piece. How do you help people come back to that celebration of their bodies, regardless of the, you know, the background and the conditioning that we know is very ripe? Mm it's a very slow and a very gentle process and it's really about presence Mm. breath and touch Mm. and creating a little sanctuary a sacred space to 
be with yourself. Yes. And I remember the first time I did this and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried because I, I realized I had never, ever been with myself in a sacred space, honoring myself. And probably took me about a year to get there because there was so much resistance and, and this work is not, I speak of it like, oh yeah, you know, just set up a sacred space. It's, it's hard. It's really hard to dedicate that time to ourselves, to, to feel that we're worthy of it. What's the point? And that, that for me and what I share with my clients is like the very first step. It's just really getting to know your body touching your body not judging it just being with it and I use this technique I call it brain rain but it's it's a really bad word for it (laughs) and also I imagine like words of kindness Mm. for my body it should come from the heart but for me it comes from the head because it can rain throughout the whole body but I imagine these words of kindness raining from my brain all the way down through my body Hmm. and I did that I went through a big period of recovery from disordered eating and I put on a lot of weight in one year like I'm not going to talk about figures but it was it was stones plural (laughs) and after 33 years of being told that I must get skinnier I was suddenly getting bigger and it was very very confronting almost quite traumatic but every day I did this brain rain and I just said, I'm healing. It's okay. It's, it, don't worry. This is this is healthy weight. You're just recovering. And it really, really helped to, mm. I think I picked like, I love myself. My body is worthy. I am delicious or something like that. But I would just allow those words to come through my body. Mm. Um, and it's, it's weird. It's like these words sort of are falling into a black abyss at first because yes. there's none in there. Mm. and then they start filling up your body and you start to feel better and better and better and then they reach your heart it's like the words reach your heart and there's I just experienced this massive heart explosion Mm. love towards myself and my body and it was like almost like after that point I think it was about a year of doing this brain rain of touching of being very quiet with myself and my body yeah and also going through a grief process a rage process of like, I don't know if I can swear, but <laughs> by all means, <laughs> fuck the diet industry, fuck mm. capitalism, fuck the patriarchy. Like, there's some rage that needs to happen there, mm. and I don't want to blame, but it's. I think there needs to be that out there, that rage of like, this is not fair. Mm. To you know, women have been totally and utterly. Um, sabotaged by this and it's it's happening from such a young age yeah you know like it's heartbreaking I just can't even it makes me want to cry for the rest of my life to think of little girls Mm. what they're feeling about their bodies especially with social media and yes um and then after that there's movement and sexy dancing and Mm. getting in your feeling your sexual energy bringing it into your body like feeling that feminine that shakti that kundalini that mm. energy in your body infusing your body with it yes and so after a while it all changes mm. because you've got so many good high vibes in your body instead of abusing yourself I'm too fat or look at myself in the mirror or these clothes don't fit I'm gonna squeeze myself into these trousers because they're a size dot dot yes rather than wearing what's comfortable exactly um, and big, big shifts happen, mm. happen with my clients. And it's it's really somatic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the brain brain is a bit different, but it's yeah. really like touch and breath and movement. And yeah. also a lot of like wild woman work, like your wild woman, she's been in a cage for a long time. Like, what does she want? She wants to mm-hmm. eat whatever the fuck she wants. She yes. wants to dance. She wants to move. She wants to rage. She wants to. Beautiful. That too. Yes. 
So. And I and I did see this beautiful uh, poem that you wrote actually um, on recently about wild women. So maybe I'll have to refer and put a link to that because I thought it was quite mm -hmm. profound. I didn't um, write it. It's oh, did you not write it? Okay, you had it. Pu okay, well I'll definitely put a link anyway. It was it was beautiful. Um, but yeah, just to touch on that, I mean, you've given quite tangible tips, which I like. I like that brain rain, that that kind of visualized things for me a little bit as well. Um, talking about touch, talking about how you can use affirmation. And I can't remember who it is that has done this. I believe it's a Japanese um, scientist. I cannot remember the name. So okay. Is it Moto with yes. in, in terms of using um, words of affirmation with different. OK, I was going to say I think it is, but I wasn't sure. So there you go. So I think that's incredible where you can imagine if you're saying love, 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 love to, let's say, a jar of rice. Yeah. Um, over and over again. And then hate, hate, hate to another jar of rice over and over again. The research showed how one was rotting quickly. Things were going, you know, things were starting to form in one over the other. Water the same. There's work done in the sound world in, in uh, cymatics around um, using ice and forming mandalas in particular frequencies with words mm -hmm. and other things and i love that we can see these things happening in science now because mm -hmm. often people think oh no, that positive thinking things just saying positive words of affirmation won't help but actually words vowels sounds they're all frequency and the word love and how you what energy you bring with that word will have a very different frequency to the word hate and the energy you bring with that word. Mm. And I, I specifically say the energy you bring with it, because some people might feel that way about the word fuck, but that could have a beautiful energy, but it can also have a derogative energy. Right. So we're talking about the energy, the shapes, the vowels, the consonants and how that can impact things. And if we are also made up of energy then what we're saying to ourselves is going to impact us physically, energetically, holistically. So I think that's such a beautiful, quick way in. As, as you said, it felt like it was falling into this black abyss. And I really like that as well, because it doesn't mean that as soon as you start saying, I love you, your body's beautiful, that you're going to believe it. But it starts with con that constant practice, that consistency, those moments where you doubt it, but eventually the frequency begins to change. And mm -hmm. I think that's incredible. The other thing that I that I wanted to come back to, because when I asked you about that disconnect with the body, as you've given me all of these different things now, the word that kept coming up was flow. Mm -hmm. You kept coming back to the word flow, and that feels like it's still the thread of a lot of what you're talking about, moving, flowing, energy moving, something that's happening, whether it's in the body or the energy. Just thought maybe to ask you about that piece a little bit more. What is that flowing, that flow or that energy feel like so that someone else can have a sense of what that actually might, might feel in the body? This is a really interesting question that I have to be really honest about because yes. I have not been in flow recently. And I suppose right. actually it's, it's, it's good to flow for me is, is difficult mm. because I come from um, being very in my masculine and hustle and grind and push and, mm. and especially running my own business and having had like nine years of, of working in a particular way to then step into flow. So I think it's important to, maybe share this because it's not an easy thing if some people that you're watching who, who are listening might be like that's like completely impossible for me right. and it was it was completely impossible for me but I am I'm kind of like steering my ship back into flow and it feels really really good hmm. um for me flow flow is really about getting out of your mind um, which sounds sort of simplistic or I don't know actually what it sounds like, but um, trusting that there is an energy that makes this world spin in the middle of nowhere, that makes the trees grow, that makes the plants bloom, the flowers bloom, that makes the rivers flow, that makes the waves crash. And that energy is flowing within you all the time. Mm -hmm. So there doesn't need to be so much um, force. And I use actually, before I came on this call, I was meditating 
and I completely fell asleep in the meditation it was it was only a 10 minute meditation and then I woke up like 10 minutes before our call and that wake up was like okay wake up Amelia you've got you've got a um you've got a you've got an important appointment and I believe that's flow like that's the that's that's the universe saying come on Time, time to go into your next meeting mm. but you needed the meditation and I find that that happens all the time in my life things will drop into my awareness mm. just when I need them and so in terms of like being with the body flow for me means really taking away any kind of uh, plan it's non-linear movement mm. it's moving how I want to move um, and just trusting that if my body wants to lie on the floor for 25 minutes, my body wants to lie on the floor for 25 minutes. If my body wants to jump and scream, my body wants to jump and scream. If my body wants to dance around like a ballerina, Mm. my body wants to dance around like a ballerina. And I think we are so conditioned to go to the gym, do yoga, do Pilates, do all these wonderful exercises, which are great for movement. Like movement exercise is fabulous. Yeah. But in terms of flow in the body, it doesn't give it that opportunity because we, we don't flow in the, we don't flow in those situations because it's we're following a teacher, we're following a routine. Hmm. So it sounds like for you there is this element of space where things can drop in. Mm. There's this element of letting go and surrendering so that there are no plans and you don't have to do dot, dot, dot. It is actually more in a being state and a presence state. Mm. And in terms of a physicality, allowing your body to move in ways that it wants to move without restrictions and limitations. Am I kind of summarizing that flow state somewhat? Very, very eloquently. Okay, amazing. <laughs> amazing. my ramblings and like put it into a really neat <laughs> Well, I'm glad that that's how it, that it comes across that way. I just really like to have the depth of understanding behind what yeah. you're saying. And I, and I love that. I think flow, I use the words ease and flow a lot. I would say it's my mantra, really. Um, when things don't feel like ease and flow in my life, I often question them. Mm. And so in any instance, not necessarily just in work, but it starts to feel like everything, there's all these stumbling blocks, these obstacles, things keep coming up. There's external resistance, not necessarily the internal resistance, which I know the difference and can work through. But usually for me, flow feels like a surrender and like an intuitive ride. And I say intuitive ride, I would like to think of it, even if you think of a roller coaster, because sometimes it's a bit, oh, oh, oh. And then there's like, oh, you hear the the pleasant screams. And then, oh, my gosh, here we go. We're going down, you know, this excitement. But it's this ride of intuition where from moment to moment, you're trusting, as you say, in something greater, in in that higher self, in Mm -hmm. whatever words come to mind, the universe and so on and so forth that allows us to feel uh free and liberated in 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 a moment and i love that you keep bringing it back to the body culturally for example coming from the caribbean we are shakers and movers that i mean that in a very physical sense and very often and i'll and i'll come specifically to the caribbean barbados trinidad where i was born and grew up and i'm sure this is across the caribbean but we had a lot of movements that for many onlookers would would seem to be very sexualized, moving up the hips, all the twerking, as they call it in, in this day and age, moving the butt and getting the body to be writhing and all of this. And that was just a very natural state. You will see toddlers in nappies doing the same dance, moving their waist. And for them, it's just connecting with their bodies. Mm. And I remembered um how many times not just growing up there but since leaving and witnessing people would mistake those movements as an invitation um to to be sexual when it wasn't necessarily about that it was more about sensuality and sometimes of course that it could be about that and that's absolutely fine too but very often in the natural culture of it it was just about being at one with the body and the rhythms and the music and the movement of the body was helping to get you into that state of flow Mm. And I think that there is something 
um, for, for me, I'm very grateful for having that upbringing and that culture um, to come here and move and be free in an environment that um, sometimes is very static, um, very rigid, and not not for, for lack of a, a better uh, word, stiff in movement. And so I love that people are opening up to what the body naturally wants to do. And, and that is really to flow and to move. And also you spoke a lot about nature and it comes back to being at one with nature as well. And for me, often it's it is as simple as being in nature to get back mm -hmm. in the flow, hearing the, the birds, being feeling the grass beneath my feet, hearing the wind and the whistles of the animals around. Sometimes that in itself, that grounding experience is all it takes to get back into flow. And so I love that you started with the whole you know, words of nature and on all those natural things that happen in source around us because it's it's available. It's available. I yeah. love being in nature. I literally, I haven't been there today and I just want to go and roll around in the grass. Yes, 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 100%. It's interesting. Um, I went to I went to St. Luke right at the beginning of probably about two years before I started on this healing journey. Um, I went to St. Lucia. Ooh, yes. And we ha I went for New Year and there was this dance. We, we went to this big dinner dance thing mm. and um and I was called to the dance floor with this guy and he was from the Caribbean and mm. I just absolutely froze I just could <laughs> not deal with the amount of hips and intimacy and shaking and yes. I felt so, I felt like so stiff in my body I was puce red and I couldn't believe that all these people were dancing so sexually and he was gyrating his hips against me. And, and I just was like, I can't, I was so British. I was <laughs> away from me. So I just ran to the dance floor. I just couldn't. And now I love it. I love all of that. But yes, yes. It was so confronting. I really felt. Of course. Like, but I, I, was, I think there was a part of me that was like, oh, I really want to do that. But I just don't know how. Yeah. But certainly the cultural aspects do play a part. You know, the cultural aspects do play a part, but I love that you can reflect on that now and know it would be different. So you can feel somewhere in that, in your journey, something has shifted in, in that way, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love that. And so stepping into sovereignty, this was the other piece that I wanted to ask you about. You spoke about body celebration. What about stepping into sovereignty? Tell me a bit about that in your work. Stepping into sovereignty is really about it's so much about the body work. Mm. It's so much about feeling at home in your body. It's so much about identifying. It's about identifying where your drains are, where your radiators are, like what drains your life force energy, what radiates your life force energy. Mm. What are your values? What do you stand for? Um, and really connecting to spirit in a way where you feel, you don't feel dependent on people, places, um, environments to make you feel good. Mm. Um, and it's really just, it's about being in your body, being in your spirit, being in your mind and really being happy there and sovereign there and not ex not externalize not externally sourcing your power right from mm. whatever, whatever maybe yeah mm. whatever and that's very that's very simplistic <laughs> oh of course but I mean it speaks to some of the deep core things that if I can imagine then if you're working with clients that you're exploring the values their deepest desires what truly matters it really comes down to aligning uh, with themselves with their inner you know, yeah. being, um, and then having that be reflected outwardly. And for me, I often think about it, and uh, I didn't make this up. It might have been, um, might have been Brendan Burchard, a coach that I sometimes um, dip into, that that used the term "be the thermostat, not the thermometer." Mm -hmm. And I, I really love that because often we are we walk around as these thermometers, right? You know, we're just testing my temperature based on everything else that's going on. I feel bad today because this person, that, or social media or the film or the food or whatever, testing it based on the external environment as opposed to setting that up 
from from inside and determining what is the temperature that we're setting so that when we step into a room that's the temperature that's around us regardless of whatever else is happening mm. um, and again coming back to to sound and frequency which is my specialty it's what is that frequency that you want to resonate how can you be that frequency and and really sit in that vibration or be in that vibration so that's what's then entrained outwards to others or just reflected um, and that's such a beautiful thing. So that sovereignty is very much um, about coming, stepping into self, honoring self, mm. and and really, you know, as you said, an inner inside out approach. Absolutely. And you I think, think we can, not we, I'm trying not to say we so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sh definitely in the past, I, I love that idea that you say about the frequency and the frequency that you want to hold in your body. Mm. And I think that that correlates so much to, so I've got slightly diverted, that correlates so much to the, the kind words to mm. ourselves, you know, really yeah. raising our vibration inside of our body. Yes. Because our, outs our outside world is a direct reflection of our inside world. Mm. And I think if we are seeking love from everybody outside of ourselves, then it's life's difficult because the environment's always changing. The temperature's always changing. I remember when I was just totally codependent with my environment the whole time mm. and it's exhausting. Sure. Constantly <laughs> caring what everybody thinks, constantly needing validation, constantly needing to be reassured that what I'm doing is the right thing rather than tuning into my own intuition. Yes. yes. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure if that if that was a question or if that answered it. <laughs> no, you you answered it. We just kind of kind of went back and forth around <laughs> sovereignty, which I which I like. Um, and intuition is a very big part of the work that we do. And um, one of the things that I often because someone said to me, well, how do you attune to your intuition and how do you actually know uh, that this voice inside of your head is really the one you should be listening to? And these kind of questions come up a lot about intuition. Talk to me about yours. What's that? what is that intuitive part of you and how do you kind of attune to it? Whether you listen or not, that's step two, but how do you actually tune in to that intuitive part, your intuition? My intuition feels easy. Mm. I would say more than anything, I think it feels flow. It's flow again. It's like mm -hmm. the next thing. If I feel a contraction in my body, it's a no. Mm. Right. If I'm not, if it's not a yes, if it's, it's, it's interesting because there's like intuition. I, when I'm having, when I'm doing client sessions, I'm, I sort of am out of my mind and I'm just in this place of pure presence mm. and what's coming through is generally guidance for the clients. And that feels, it just comes out of my mouth. It does, yes. It's almost like it doesn't go through my brain. Mm. <laughs> I just open my mouth and guidance comes out and the client goes, how did you know that? Like, yes. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, just the pipe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think intuition for me is also really linked to doing a lot of self-practice actually and meditation mm. and exercise and eating well and mm. all these things that can blur our blur our perception you know our gut is our second brain I think that is super important mm. I've just done a gut cleanse and my intuition is so much sharper beautiful and my downloads for the clients are like so so different not that mm. they weren't spot on before but I feel there's clarity coming through me mm. which I didn't feel before and just from doing a gut cleanse that's awesome um, yeah and I think yeah. I think you're used to it you're used to that space now you've gone to that space a lot and it feels as you said easy mm. and what I what I what I notice for people who haven't had that, I mean, there is there was a way in for you as well, but I think you've passed it now. So you're not necessarily quite sure of what, what, what did I actually do to get here? You're there and you know how to do it. You're in that space where the intuitive part of you is, is um, 
you know, vibrant and, and healthy and upfront and center, especially in the kind of work that we do. And I remembered when I was doing this, and I mean, now that I'm training sound healers, we have that, like you did, the science part, and then the intuitive part. And it's like, how do you teach intuition? How do you get someone to get in touch with that part of themselves? And often it starts with the head into the heart, because this is where, this is where we're starting with that question. Mm -hmm. And I often said, if you're in a situation, or I said this to myself, which helps me, but just to the other clients or students, if you're in a situation where information is coming, often, as you said, you can sometimes notice in your body there is a contraction or there's something going on there or not. So that's something to link into. What, what am I sensing in my body? And we often say, what do you think? What is your gut saying for that same reason that you just brought up? We use that language because often our intuition feels like it's in the gut. It's in that solar plexus area and so on. But for me, it comes down to that starting point of what if what was coming was true? Mm. What if you didn't judge it and you didn't actually question it, but you just trusted it? What what would that be like? What if you just took it as information, whether it's the inner voice saying, just do that, or, oh my gosh, I just had this moment that, of, I just saw this course and I started to cry, something's there, what is it, what is that, you know, rather than judging it, what is, what if it just, that's what it's, that I'm supposed to do? And I like that presupposition of what if it is real, mm. or, because often it leads you into a, a state of trusting something that you're not sure about trusting something that feels right but you're not quite sure because the head often wants to get in the way and eventually with the practice of trusting those things that come through in those moments of flow in those moments of of receptivity and openness and space and all the things that you described there comes a point where that question disappears mm. where it's no longer what if it is this just is and i know it to be true right now in this moment and then you're no longer having to be in that headspace, the space where you are, where all the downloads and all the information that comes through you for yourself and for your clients is just a knowing and an energy and a flow, which I think is a, a beautiful practice um, that sometimes starts with just that question. What if mm -hmm. this is true or what if this is right? Mm, absolutely. I love that. Mm. And also, I think there are no wrong decisions. So that also is, even if you trust it and it's not the right decision, that it ends up being not what you thought it was or not what you perceive to be the right decision, it's always perfect. Yes, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think you, there's, there are two things in that. There's always a learning mm, if, you exactly. allow your, if you allow yourself to go there. Because I would say that I've made some good decisions let's say and bad decisions but those bad decisions and let's say in business were in hindsight of oh if only i had done this this is the, the result i would have had so in in reality it wasn't a bad decision it was a learning curve right and so in that there is a freedom in making choices isn't there and doing things because it's like well I can't fail. I can yeah. fall down and get back up, but I can't fail unless I choose to stop and give up, et cetera, et cetera. So I love that. There are no wrong answers in that or bad decisions in that. That framework I completely relate to. Mm. And, and as you just to reflect what you said, like the, the, the wrong or the bad thing is to do nothing, <laughs> which <laughs> is where I find myself sometimes. I'm like, oh, I don't want to make another mistake. I've made so many. <laughs> yeah. But actually, everything, I've made some catastrophic decisions in my life that have led to the biggest wisdom. Mm. Like, absolutely, I would have, you know, I, I, would have, I would have paid thousands and thousands of pounds to learn that bit of wisdom that I got from that horrendous choice. <laughs> Here's the, the falling down. Choice. Here's the falling down oh my God. and getting back yeah, up. Absolutely. It's like actually, okay, yeah, it probably cost me, you know, a bit in my mental, you know, mind, body, and soul. But actually, that wisdom I have now for my whole life. So I would not. Sometimes we have to make decisions that are that are really gonna shake our foundations. Yeah. And we it's and it's so part of growth. And I really I'm so there is there's no failure there's mm. just growth and learning and 
picking ourselves back up and dusting ourselves off and trying again. Yes, and any of my past students in the music world would have heard there's no failure, only feedback. They've they've heard that over and over again from me over the years. So completely agree. And I want to ask you about the power of our spiritual world and how do you feel that helps to heal the body, the mind, the spirit? Tell me about that, because I know that's also a big part of your work. Yeah. <sighs> how do I explain this? <laughs> How to however you want <laughs> it's not really in the mind so so what I've experienced with my clients and this has happened through hundreds of sessions is that when you journey into the inner world mm. there are beings that are there to heal so mm. I have guided clients to meet their inner healer Beautiful. And their inner healer will show them what they need to do or the relationship they need to address or the past life they need to heal. Or And it's, it's really not up to my human mind to or the client's conscious mind to, to make things happen. And, and at the beginning, I was using a lot of my conscious mind to kind of direct client sessions and the more I've gone through it I'm like it's not me it's not up to me like the wisdom Mm. that comes through I couldn't I could not even possibly know that Mm. for that client and it's and it's very magical it's it's really really magical I can feel it in my body as I share it I almost want Mm. to cry because it's because when the when the healing happens in the unconscious or in the unseen realm or in the inner world, the body responds. Mm -hmm. And so, especially in sexual healing, I've had some incredible experiences where clients have been unable to feel aroused, Mm -hmm. for example, for years and years and years, like nothing, nothing does it for them. And they enter the spirit realm and they get healed by sexual healers in the spiritual realm. And this fire, this sexual energy starts building and erupting. And I've had a few clients have orgasms lying on in the therapy room with their, with their relationship to spirit in the, in the inner world. And I'm just totally and utterly humbled by it. Mm. And my job in that space, I, I create the space, I hold the space, I guide them into their inner world. And I'm there, sometimes they go back into their head or something, but I'm really just there to witness yes. and to ask questions. And I don't know, I've sort of been channeling this. I don't know if this is a, a modality that is taught elsewhere. I, 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 I haven't done, I know a lot of healing modalities. I suppose it's a bit shamanic in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but what also happens is like other dimensional beings come into, so like say Isis, Mm. goddess Isis comes into a past life Mm. that might be from the medieval era or from the Victorian era. era. Mm. So it's like cross. um, (laughs) Yeah. It's like, (laughs) like, you know, and so it's, it's, and it, these, these beings just come come through and mm. they have the medicine and um it's quite extraordinary to be honest that is beautiful um to see people connect I, I had a woman that had not been intimate with for years and years and she was so scared of it and and seeing her power, we worked together for three months and just seeing this life force energy this eros awaken in her Mm. like a different person completely different person she Mm. was self-sourced from her own power from her own energy and that is also when we're talking about self-sovereignty stepping into sovereignty as you were talking I was thinking I must mention sexual energy because that is a really big part of it Mm. you know really working with your sexual energy really coming into a deep deep union with it yeah. As a powerful healing elixir, it's full of of healing properties, and it 
it will it will burn through everything that is not authentically you yeah when you learn to channel that through your body mm. what is not like it's the feminine it's like what is not love is gone yeah what is not truth is gone and what i find fundamental in all of this and i've noticed this across i would say all the modalities that i've learned in the last two decades from neuro-linguistic programming to tapping techniques to coaching and sound healing, shamanic, all they're all very different things. Yet fundamentally, they all work with the same premise that we are all resourceful. And it's all about coming back to the essence of who we truly are, which is love, which is that energy and resonance of love. And when we can be in that frequency, I mean, I, I, I words don't really describe, but ultimately it comes back to saying that you have, as like you said, someone is a self self sourced is that we can have that understanding that we have all that we need within us. And so I do believe that the work of healers, shamanic practitioners, coaches, ever that is really all about helping people to source from themselves yeah. what they need. And I like that you have brought in the spirit realm and the spirit world, because often we feel that we need to do it alone. We have to do it alone. And I, in the shamanic um, space that I work in, I've had, like you, many experiences, including my own guides guiding me through the session to help clients in their their, um, healing and their transformation. So I love that there is this magic and that there is this space that we can access. Mm. And these beings, if you like, um, ancestors and all the different things that we can bring into the space in in terms of being of service and helping everyone to come back into that space of love, that true Mm. essence that we all have within us. I love that you mentioned love because that is what it's all about. Mm. All these parts of ourselves, all the disease in our body, everything, all of our repressed emotions, it's all it all wants love yeah that is it what is your definition of healing oh god that's a really big question (laughs) my definition of healing is guiding clients to remember that they are already whole they are already complete they are already love they are Um, there's nothing that they need to do yes there's nothing it's just coming back to that that place of you are the divine you are Mm. completely and utterly perfect in all of your mess in all of your magic in all of your fuck-ups in Mm. all of your mistakes (laughs) inverted commas yes Um, (laughs) In all of your times when you don't want to get out of bed, in all of the times when you're filled with ecstatic bliss, having six-hour sex sessions, it's Mm. all divine. Yeah. And the more that we can really sit with that, the more we can just realise that there is nothing to do. Mm. And we are so supported. Like, this divine, this universe is is perfect in its imperfection and there are horrific things happening in the world and of course which is obviously devastating and i believe that there's some there's something there's some divine intelligence that is 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 working it mm-hmm. and i and it's omniscient omnipresent i don't know i can't yeah give it any more description than that but beautiful yeah I, I, just a character just to say yes a little bit more I think I think in this industry in the in the wellness industry in the coaching industry and in personal development industry there's so much focus on like fixing what's broken and got to do my morning practice and got to you know get up and do you know three hours of of stuff just yeah. so we can operate in the world and I've been there I used to get up at 4 15 every morning do my stuff and really sometimes 
that's great. And your body will tell you when that there's time to do that. But sometimes we just need to lie in bed till 10 a.m. if we can. Yeah. Sometimes our body, our bodies know, like our intuition speaks through the body. Yes. And the more we can listen to our body, the more we can feel ourselves, the more that we can be feel empowered and feel mm. in in alignment with ourselves because we've listened. Yeah. The body is so intelligent, mm. way more intelligent than our mind. Oh, yeah. Our mind is just <laughs> like a, an enormous and never-ending filing cabinet of old shit we don't need. <laughs> That's wonderful. I love that you speak about practice because I think there are that that intuitive piece is a very big part of practice. Mm-hmm. You know, I like you, I've, I dip in and out of certain practices. I think the only practice in my entire life that has been uh, consistent, or I should say two really, is sound because I've been singing and using my voice in a sounding and singing capacity from as young as seven. I knew that was my calling. And then meditation, because I had that practice embedded in me from quite a young age. Can I go a day without meditation? Can I go a day without sounding or my world would fall apart? Hell no. If I need an extra sleep, I'm going to have it. Yes. If I want to have a social life and it means I'm not going to get up at 5 a.m., sure. But then, and also the evolution of you requires a refinement of your practices as you move forward and evolve. So I think, again, the intuition is just saying, hey, don't be so rigid. Allow the flow again, allow that freedom of movement so that you're allowing yourself, like my mom would always see, say, be like the tree that bends in the wind yeah. so that when the storm comes, you don't break. And I think that's a really beautiful metaphor for life in general. Mm, I love that. Mm. I could talk to you for hours. We could be here all day. This is an amazing conversation and I'm sure we'll have many more. Um, Where can people find you online right now, Amelia? Um, My website is www.ameliagriffiths.com. I am on Instagram at Alchemy with Amelia. And I'm also on LinkedIn, but I can't possibly remember that link. It's a good thing I'll have them all in there. So that's not a problem. You'll find, they'll find all the links below for sure. Yeah. And and I work, um, my, my sessions are, I work in person. Okay. And they are uh, three hours. So they're okay. deep dive sessions. I don't, I'm, I'm not a weekly therapy type. Right. Um, Very intensive and yeah. yeah and there's integration and, clients see me like once every three or four months okay great. and then I also work with clients for three months so those are, those are the two ways to work with me and all of that will be on your website they can check that out and book some sessions in Look a discovery call even if you're curious let's get on a call have a chat yes that's the best way to start incredible well I really celebrate you Amelia I thank you for your presence today but also for the wonderful work that you are doing in this world we need a lot more people who are stepping up stepping out and doing the work not just for ourselves but being of service to others because the world needs it now more than ever I really appreciate you thank you so much for being with me today oh thank you so much for having me it's been (gasps) an absolute pleasure I love these chats when they just feel so flowy and lovely and yes and your energy is just so magnetic thank you so much honored and your work in this world is super important and I love your passion Mm -hmm. for it and you speak so with so much presence and you're so articulate and I really love how you've reflected so many parts of the conversation so thank you Oh, thanks so much. And I'm going to ask you one final question that I'd love to ask all of my guests. And that is, what is your soulful sound to the world? A prayer or desire that you wish upon the world? My prayer, my sound, my message for the world is I really, really, really pray that people can get in touch with their sexual energy in a way that is authentic and unique and peaceful and easeful and joyful and ecstatic for them, that they connect with their eros, that they know that they've got this incredible energy inside of them that is so powerful and it's not shameful and it's not bad and it's not wrong. It's 
beautiful and it's 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 life force energy it's how we all got here Mm. (laughs) we all got here through an orgasm mostly yes and it's it's there's a book called a return to eros by mark gaffney which i really recommend everybody read and he talks about um uh outrageous love and radical aliveness and eros and it's just beautiful Mm. Um, so i would pray that everybody in in the world reads that too thank you so much and for those listening may that prayer reach your ears may it reach your hearts and thank you again amelia griffiths for joining me today i'm sure we will continue this conversation at some point again in the future thank you to everybody for listening to amazing Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share it with your friends and remember to subscribe. From my heart to yours, sending you love, healing, and sound wherever you are.